for The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul. This is Caroline. And tonight we're going to discuss the 17th episode of the third season of NBC's This Is Us. This one is called Randby. 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 R&B, right? Oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> so this is the, we say, penultimate yeah, it's the, it, that means it's the one before the last one. Yeah, and I felt like this could be the one before the last one, R&B style. This was a heavy episode. You know, it was, and while I was watching it, I, you know, a lot of emotional weight out of it, and I didn't mind the, the vacation from the NICU and all that, but I've seen on Facebook, a lot of people just kind of hated it. They were like, eh, like there was kind of 50-50. There was like, this season has been very polarizing that way, where 50% of the people seem to be vocal about not liking an episode, and then 50% of people are like, no, that really sung to my soul. I wonder if I could, I could submit that perhaps... The the way that they've had to put like a finer point on some of the issues that the Pearsons have been dealing with would by design polarize the population because they were going to cut out, you know, larger general problems down to these like very specific problems. Like if you're not in a long term marriage that has these specific issues then R&B no longer speak to you. If you've had children, but you're of the percentage of population that had a NICU child, well, this the rest of you, this isn't going to speak to you. Because their issues and challenges have become so much more specific, I guess, you're going to lose a larger general population feeling as connected to the characters. Now, I would like to submit, however, on that point, that just because you didn't go through that specific challenge, especially if you're someone who just aren't there yet, you've been married five years or 10 years or whatever, but you're not there yet. I would love to submit the concept that like, uh, get out a piece of paper and take some notes because this is coming down the pike for you. And it would be a good idea to not assume this particular issue isn't going to hit your home. It's just that it hasn't hit it yet. It might be that my numbers are skewed. I just kind of made up 50-50, but maybe it's more like 33-33-33, meaning there are audiences out there within the This Is Us audience that are burned out on specific characters. Mm. And maybe it's the subculture that is that feels like Randall has had enough pay, attention paid to him over the three seasons that a whole Randall episode was like, come on, we've given so much to Randall already. Maybe that's what I'm seeing. I, You know what? And that's a very fair point of view, because if you look at the urgency of Kate's issues right now versus perhaps the urgency of Randall's, while they are, are going through this marital challenge, that can be something that can draw out for a very long time and has obviously been building for a very long time, as opposed to the momentum we were trying to get going with the NICU story, you know, Know, with the waiting room episode and trying to have this feeling of, you know, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we're all so stressed out to just abandon that story when we're all so stressed out is like, okay, well, oh yeah, what? We have to come back to that story? You know, mm-hmm. like it loses its 
pressure momentum yeah that tension that that they had tried to be to build up for us so i i can see it both ways i understand very much now we are unique in that a lot of these topics overlap for us we have NICU children we are 20 years into our marriage there's a lot of parts for us where we can see a lot of these things happening or going to happen or what have you so for us this is hitting a big sweet spot but i can understand where other people are like this is not a this is not me one of his is, is a very self-centered, you know, alcoholic actor. Right. Um, yeah. I yeah. Mean, that's also a thing. And I never wanted to have children. No. I mean, I... <laughs> I We're both kidding. dragged you kicking and screaming. Right. Right. Or I convinced Paul that I would just like put this baby in my pocket and basically carry one baby around with me for the rest of our lives. And then we had three and ten and a half months instead. Yeah. It was a complete went to plan situation. Yeah. She could sell ice to an Eskimo. I kind of I kind of could, y'all. I really kind of could. Hey, speaking of selling it, what did you think about... Randall and his Kevin aided first date ask out of Beth. This was a moment that I don't know. It was kind of iffy on the, uh, they had already told us happened, you know? Yes. So did you need to see it? Not 100%. No, I'm not. Mm. Did it? it I, mean, I can't think it worked better as a story, actually. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it actually did work better as a story. And I do feel like that the combination of, Seeing it and already know about it when there's so many mysteries left to this family kind of got irritating. You know, it was like, why are we retreading this ground? You know, even the point of them actually meeting up at the name badge. It was like we saw her do the name badge. We saw Randall was in the same room. Like, why do we got to retread right, this that ground? That happened this season. Even. Yeah. Like just a couple moments ago, you know. So why we got to watch that again? I agree with you. This It was feeling a little bit too much like, come on, come on. Now, I know that lends to this theme, this greater theme that I want to bring up at the end about this, like this pattern of behavior, this like, you know, feeling like we've been here before is how I was feeling with this Randall and Beth story as soon as it started is like, we've already been here before. We already know this story with Kevin. We already, we've already seen the name badge. Well, I would say that that is how this entire thing could be themed. Like we've already been here before. We've done this before. We know what this looks like, you know? Wait a second. This is us. This is us. <laughs> there you go. All right. Randall tries to plan this date, man. And he goes all out, right? He's wearing the suit and ties at this fancy restaurant. Beth boggles me with this hoodie. I'm shocking because I feel like she's a very stylish chick. And we've commented so many times on what awesome clothes she wears. So I was a little thrown, I'll tell you, at the start of this date. What did you think? Was Randall out of line? Was Beth putting the bar way too low? What did we feel about this? You mean the date in totality? Just the way it kind of wound up? Yeah, or, or, or even just from the start of it. Like, I mean, was the concept of being there and in this really stuffy atmosphere and, and you know, I don't know, Randall having this really adult bar when they're really quite young we find out it's a year later so we know they're 18 you know what did you think about this was this a ridiculous 18 year old date in a lot of ways or should she have felt flattered i'm gonna pre-warn you and the listening audience that oh my god gonna, y'all buckle up i'm gonna come down on randall's side on most of these little him or her kind of uh, discussions. Wow, that's a really good thing to let us all know. I think he probably did a very Randall thing here and overthought it. You know, like yes. fancy restaurant, wear a suit, bring a check. Like that's these really just funny. Like, I, that was really it was so like pretentious, right, and weird. 
Well, and a little like restaurants don't usually take checks. Well, but so that, it's, it's like he does. He, it it shows that he doesn't really. That we dated back then. They didn't take checks back then. It's Are a, you sure? It's unusual for, to write a check at a restaurant. Are you sure? Is that a thing? I don't know. Y'all fact check us on that. I mean, I, certainly we never had checks to write when we were eighteen. To well, I mean, not be if you at wanted a restaurant. Something to, that would actually draw money. Right. From. I mean, I had a debit card. I definitely had a debit card, but but I didn't have a checkbook. So so that part is pretty weird. I don't know. Would I mean? Don't get stuck on the checkbook. No, but now the, I'm noodling on that. The idea is just that he I'm randling he, it. I mean, he he brought uh. All the he bought all the different flower bouquets because he wasn't sure which one to bring, and so yeah, he just overthought the situation, and as a result, you know, none of it seemed to be what what Beth needed right then. The thing is, what Beth needed, he would have never guessed. So and and if he had brought her to go get nachos and ginger beer, which turns out to be her, you know, dream date. Would what would we have thought about Randall and Beth? What would we have thought he was really shooting way too freaking low? Yeah, for sure. He wanted to impress her. That's what he that's basically the whole the whole thing. He wanted to impress her. So he did his best to try to figure that out. I don't think he dated that much in high school. They didn't show us that much dating, so That's where I came down. I came down with it actually just seemed like a person who hadn't gone on many dates in terms of like you know, the idea of going to dinner and a movie, dinner being at someplace way more casual and a movie would be like a far more just typical and or relaxed first date. But if you hadn't gone on a lot of dates, you know, maybe even only if you'd only had that one high school girlfriend we really saw, you may have only been on one first date his whole life. Then maybe this just more sh- like reeks of like inexperience and, yeah. you know, just again, like you said, trying way too freaking hard. Did you feel like Randall in that day and age was believable that he had collected that much information about Beth. I mean, now we have such a different world with social media, Facebook. One glance on Facebook, you could get like 90% of the information. 99, he would have been, no, 99 about then? What was it? Roughly, yeah, rough. He would have needed to do a lot of talking to her friends. And that that would mean he'd have to know who her friends were in the first place. Um, so is that weird? Like, so for us, no big deal to like just quickly glance at somebody on Facebook. Like, that's not a whole hell of a lot of work. But if somebody has like sought out your friends, had to figure out who your friends were, went and actually engaged with them, talked about you, I was like, are you weirded out on that first date? These are like the first 20 sentences y'all are exchanging. Are you are you like wow? That yeah, seems I like think a those lot. are those are red flags for <laughs> for a girl. Uh, I think I would tell my daughters to uh, be wary of, of someone in that. See, and I can't figure it out because I'm trying to put myself back in that place. And because we didn't, we did it in high school. There was that natural like, well, we know about one another because we aren't in each other's space, you know. So we had like interactions and such, but. Trying to think like, you know, if you were in a place where you were outside of the high school level, right? And you do have to sort of like seek out info, was did this go too far? I ask I'm asking our listeners, do y'all feel like Randall went too far? Was this just typical of the time? Of course you would have asked around about her before you bothered to ask her out, especially someone so careful as Randall. He would want to make sure she didn't have a boyfriend and make sure he's not stepping on toes and you know, stuff like that. What did you think about the overshares, which I'm going to call like the, you know, telling everything about 
your dad passing away. Is this something that was too much, too soon, or okay because it kind of just worked out? Too much in two ways. It was too much for a first date because his story is a lot for someone to to absorb. Like, like um, for instance, as we have mentioned previously in our podcast, we have a family full of special needs children or children with special needs, depending on how you want to say it. That's not what we drop on anybody as soon as we meet them, unless we happen to be at a convention for families of children with special needs, right? I would say I definitely play a game with that in terms of like, I I treat it a little like double Dutch, like the ropes are going, you know, and so we're both conversing, both ropes are going back and forth, back and forth. And I'm trying to decide when I'm going to like jump in with this information, like, "Mm, mm," I like, I may may lean in a little, I may say something like, "Mm, yeah, you know, challenges, and kind of back up like, oh, what's this person going to say? And I'll kind of like weave in you know what the worst is when i haven't said it and then they say something awkward that like messes it up like well, they'll say something like the r word or something where i'm like now i'm like what i now i can't even ever tell you i have special needs children or they say something that the that most, is like you know so outlandish that i'm like oh no no i can't it's like i have to i do have to get it in there early enough to, because I only think it's fair not to have the person accidentally stick their foot in their mouth because it's only a matter of time before someone says, oh, I'm so blind. Can you pass me whatever? And then five minutes later, I have to say, I have a deaf blind child. And so it's like, I want to get that in there before they accidentally embarrass themselves. Hmm. That's, but, that's, it's important to me to like kind, to like not in a way to not let it go too far because I because I feel like they should know who they're talking to in that regard. Now, here's the other thing y'all need to know about me is that I I'm not going to be somebody who's going to be like oh, I never and like run off, but I just feel bad for that person because they're very likely to feel embarrassed about what they said. Most of my interactions are at work, so people are automatically guarded about what they're saying because they don't want to get fired. The, my exchanges mostly go to things like, do you have kids? How old are they? Then I say 16. Oh, they're getting ready to drive. And then I have to be like, no, that's not really happening and explain why. And so unless someone brings up kids, then, and it's just like an office related kind of person, I don't share unless it's heading that way for some other reason. So no. No, I don't. See, but interesting. Like, so why do you feel like that you can't? Because they don't want to know. They they don't want to know. They really right, right. don't want to no, know. No, but I but I feel like that part where where you said um you know that uh, they mentioned someone's you know driver's license and then see that's when they stick their foot in their mouth because then they're embarrassed when you say well no actually they're not because she's blind and like this kind of stuff that that's what I try to avoid that moment. So as we get closer and closer to like if they ask me the age of our kids. I'm going to be real, real close to telling you their diagnoses. So you're closer because, to randling it. Yeah, because I'm scared that if you do that, if you if you ask the age of my kids, then real quick, you're going to start saying shit like, are you applying for colleges? Or, oh, you must be buying a new car. Like, you know, that I want to like nip in the bud real quick because they just don't want anyone to go down that road. Not for my own safety, but for their own sanity. So I thought it was interesting, though, because despite the fact that we knew both Randall and Beth had lost their fathers. I didn't actually put it together the way that they did in that date, where it was like, I lost my father, I lost my father too. Even though I knew they both lost their fathers. Isn't that weird? It was in that booth thing that I was like, oh, duh. She only shared it because he did. 
Like she would have shared it at some point, obviously. But definitely not date one. Definitely not date one. Agreed. But it was the first time I made that connection, as dumb as that sounds. I'd made it obviously separately, but then together I was like, oh my gosh, they both had their lost their dads, you know? So I mentioned two reasons it felt too early. I mean, just kind of the awkwardness of first date barf was one, but then the other was, was that it felt like too on the nose for following up Deja's comment about you're a story, you know? Oh yeah. From a previous up. Right. And so this was exactly that, you know, like he just presented a fireman, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, yeah, that, yeah. See, that's massive overshare, you know, especially when he was like, oh, I got to figure out when to plop in when I'm adopted. Now, again, maybe I wonder if that's the same thing as what I'm talking about. Like, do you want to throw that out there early enough before someone says something that embarrasses themselves because they didn't realize they offended you because you never shared that about yourself? So is that real important that you say it? You know, same how we I kind of feel like it's like sitting on my shoulder, waiting, waiting, waiting for me to finally throw it out there. I wonder if being raised by a white family and being adopted are two things that he's like, when, how long do I wait? When do I double Dutch and hop in and just explain it real quick? 15 minutes. Yeah. Or less. (laughs) Damn it. Or less. Now I do want to ask you, speaking of the white family and all that part, did you feel that they needed to add in this layer of racism at the restaurant? And do you feel like it was something that we as viewers, was it important because Again, we're going with this very specific issues. Was it trying to cast a wider net and try to like get a couple more people who would be like, yes, I've actually had that experience. Maybe that grabs you into the scene rather than the rest of it that maybe you don't relate to. Why did we add this? I don't know. We were, we, okay. So I don't want to sound like completely naive in this point because I'm a white person, but I was alive at this point in history, I don't know that it was it was quite the way they portrayed. It. They made it kind of look like it was the '60s or something, but this was the late '90s, and I don't know that it was quite that way. Especially, I mean, they're at Carnegie Mellon, right? So this is New York. This isn't like Alabama or let's just say the South. I don't know. I can't say. I is going with definitely definitely skin color was one whole part of it i was also going with the idea that they were so out of place in terms of their age i mean when they kind of pulled the camera back everybody else in the room was like 50 also they seemed very mismatched in that he was wearing a suit she was wearing like a hoodie and it sort of seemed a little bit like what are these two doing it's not like these two are going to prom or something and they came to some fancy restaurant it's like they did all like a lot of signs pointed to like, huh? If you were like the wait staff, right? Now, I think it's bullshit. Of course, any restaurant acting like that, I think it's crazy. Sure. I don't know about the times. And again, I'm just I'm just going with the idea that the writers were trying to cast a wider net, trying to grab a couple more viewers, a couple more people who said, you know what? I've actually experienced that last week. And, you know, um, so maybe that's why they layered it in. But it did feel thrown in like yeah, again like I, I feel I feel like they have this giant whiteboard in the writer's room that's like foster kids adoption racism blah 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 and they like list it all out and it's like every week I feel like they write the episode and then they're like did you pick two issues from the issue board that you wanted to put into this and they have to like go back and then like plop it in somewhere you know where you're like okay I guess that was a thing it was an awkward way to end the date quickly 
Yes, and get them to have this sort of like despair, if you will, like because he was going to handle it one way, she was going to handle it another. So it's not like they, it, it was a potential part where they could have banded together and both said, God, what a bunch of jerks. Let's get out of here. Or she said, Randall, just pay, whatever. They could have actually had been on the same page, but it showed that they handle situations very differently. You know, she was upset and was going to stand up for for them. And he was more like, let's just smooth it over. I think it was the first inkling, like from their very first date, they viewed life very differently Mm -hmm. and handled things very differently. Good call. The conclusion of that date is important to me because it gets a callback at the end of this whole episode where Beth is asking Randall, just don't call me again. Like, I don't really, we don't need to keep doing this. And Randall is grinning to the roommate saying, I'm going to marry her. And again, just such different point of views of the same evening. And that gets called back at the very end of this episode and where things are sort of left, I think, is very similar. You know, their, their sort of attitudes. So we end up flashing forward, P2. Foreshadowing, kids. Yeah, that's called foreshadowing. We end up shooting forward to seven years later, and I thought that this was Randall's real proposal. Did you? For a second, but then it seemed so cash, and then, you know, her response was said it all, even before she really said a word, how she was just kind of tired of it, you know? Um, Yeah, I, I was fooled for a second. You know, I think it's so interesting, again, like, here they are seven years into a relationship. His grand gestures, his way of doing things is vastly underappreciated by her, and her needs are not being listened to by him at all. Like, he continues to ask her, even though she has expressed, like, I'm not ready to be married. It's interesting to me that seven years in, they they still are, like, absolutely not paying attention or appreciating each other's ways of handling things. It's interesting, though, that maybe it's just, you know, the outsider looking in that Randall definitely thinks he is. Listening? Yeah. Yeah. That's the trick of it, right? Is that... He comes up with these very romantic or very it's it's like a it's like a hollow thoughtful moment which we will come to in nachos later. It, it's this moment where you think it is so carefully crafted to be thoughtful to the other person, but if you actually pulled back, you really didn't do what they asked you to do like at all. Randall's vows. Yes, yes, we're going to get into all this. But before we get to Randall's vows, let's talk about Rebecca and Randall's relationship in this point. What the whole hell? Like, he's going to he's going to college and they do Sunday dinner every week. And like, Rebecca has like no sense to like not go to mini golf. What? 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 Um, to, be, to be her young adult or son's pen pal confidant on on like his relationship and stuff like that. I mean, there's there's checking in about your week, which is apparently what good sons are supposed to do with their moms. But there's telling your mom about your girlfriend, which is something that not really the healthy way to handle your relationship. I would also like to add to that, mom, if you have a weirdo relationship like that, maybe not spill the tea and tell everyone at mini golf like, oh, yeah, he talks to me about you all the time, all the live long day. Right. Like, I mean, don't they have the full sense to know at least keep that shut up? If Randall doesn't, doesn't Rebecca? No, no. she totally doesn't. Also, I thought it was so weird to see Rebecca at this stage of life makeup was so weird and her hair length was so odd the whole thing was like very unnerving to me i'm sure it was a makeup challenge for the uh for the staff 
Like, how do you be like in between, you know, because it's not old Rebecca, but it's not young Rebecca, but you're just kind of saggy faced, weird Rebecca. Well, she had glasses. But a, <laughs> right. But a year earlier, she was just regular Mandy Moore. And then now this is only one year later, but she already has these chipmunk pouchy cheeks that are like these droopy dog things. I don't know. Very. What do you call those things? What are those? What are those parts called right here? Jowls. You, yeah. She was jowling. They kind of dowdied her up a little bit. Yeah. Long sweater thing. It was a little bit much for me. Um, I I thought that ultimately Rebecca being there and sharing the idea that Randall would cry as a little boy because he didn't know where he fit in in the world and apparently carried this on his heart like forever until he was old enough to be able to say, you know what? I finally know where I fit in. I thought that was sweet. Did you like that little story? That was a sweet story, but it was like, I don't know how, maybe fitting in is is sort of a running dialogue. It's not like you get to just say, I fit in, and then you fit in for the rest of your life. Because uh, the part of Randall's life that they have chronicled with this show is all about him feeling like he doesn't fit in. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and then trying to find things that make him feel fitted in. You know? Yeah, I do. You know what? It's like that book that, you know, I love that's called The Missing Piece by Shel Silverstein. Do you remember that book? The whole idea is like this kind of Pac-Man-like yeah. character is constantly thinking he needs to look for this piece that's going to make him whole. And he's like looking, looking, looking. And he finally finds this like little wedge that fits in perfectly. And you think that's like the end of the story. But as it rolls along, the wedge starts getting bigger. And all of a sudden, they don't fit together anymore. And at first, they're like, well, you changed. And the wedge is like, no, you changed. And it's like this big, awkward thing. The wedge ultimately has to go off on its own. And the little Pac-Man guy has to keep rolling along. And when he does at such a speed and working on his own little world, his edges kind of round and that wedge-shaped emptiness starts to kind of fill in until ultimately he's like a whole circle. And so the missing piece was sort of like a misnomer in terms of like, he never needed a piece to feel like you fit in to begin with. He wasn't without. He always just needed to fill it in for himself. Oh, if y'all haven't read that book, go get it. It's a children's book, but it's lovely. And I kind of feel like that's a little bit about what this story feels like to me. Randall's always looking for his missing piece. He's always looking to be made whole. He tried it with William. You know, there's there's always sort of that feeling, you know, of like yeah. you're going to be the one that makes me whole. You're going to be the one that makes me whole. And ultimately, it's like, brother, you're going to have to roll along alone and and make those edges start softening out and fill in your own, you know, lack of. And I and I see that that's where this crew is heading. You know, the whole, I, you know, especially there's a comment that he makes where he says, I'm sorry that you've had your awakening 20 years too late. Ooh, do you know how much as a woman I want to punch that man in the fucking throat? Because she had children. She had a whole life that like, what are you talking about 20 years too late? She lived out the things you wanted to have. The children, the family, the life, the career and all this. And it's like, what do you mean? When was she supposed to be a dancer? You know, like, motherfucker. It's just, oh, we're going to get to that. <laughs> but let's get to the part where they're just getting maweed, Paul. All right, maweed. Let's talk about that. Well, let's not forget that mini golf did have the the little Beth breakdown of yeah. not wanting to be consumed by her husband. That was like her big not wanting to get married yet feeling. And you know what? Here's the reality, P. Does anyone want to be consumed by anybody else? 
Not even the missing piece. No, not even the Pac-Man guy. No, nobody really wants that. I think people think they want that. People have this idea of like molding together. Even, you know, it bugs me that religious wise, it's supposed to be this whole like melding into one. You know, that's kind of like sick. Like what's the matter with you? Why can't you just be two people who like partner together? Why you got to like lose yourself and turn into one entity? That's kind of gross. Doesn't really make a very good rock song though. I mean, like, you be over there and I'll be over here. We'll occasionally do things together. So so the song's supposed to be like, we're one, we're yeah. one, we're one beast with two backs. Basically, yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's bullshit, Hall. I don't think you can live a life of a rock song, okay? Pour some sugar on me. It's not proven <laughs> that you just get ants and bees. Then the rock story has not been your truth. One lump or two, Caroline. <laughs> exactly. Nachos, proposal, they actually do it. It seems adorable. That that proposal actually made me feel okay about my proposal. So. <laughs> Love it. Anyway. Because it was a little bit lackluster, is that what you're saying? Well, uh, I've heard better stories. <laughs> stories. So Paul looked at me with his big eyes in this ring that I didn't pick out, even though I picked out another ring. And said, it's time. That's it. (laughs) And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. You know what? And I didn't say yes, did I? No, I grabbed your hand and was like, that was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I totally yanked him upstairs in this restaurant that was like completely separate from everyone else and was like, all right, let's try again. Not unlike Beth. Who dragged her to a dragged him to a way more appropriate place and was like, "Why don't you try that shit again?" And he, he did better. I don't remember if you actually got on your knee, did you? Yeah, yeah. That second time. Yeah. That the second attempt after I was like, "What the fuck was that?" Yeah. <laughs> then I was like, "We gotta go. There's a horse and carriage waiting for us, and there'll only be a minute." So. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. They got to take us down the alley where they throw out all the trash. Oh my God, you guys, that's the truth. So we actually did get in a horse and buggy little ride. And then for whatever fucking reason in the world, our driver must have had a drug deal that had to go down. And he literally turned down an alleyway and like went by the dumpsters. I have no idea what was happening. We are so lucky. Beautiful downtown Austin. We're so lucky we did not get raped back there. Between uh, 6th and 5th Street. Why would he have done that? What a weirdo. That's an allied dumpster over there. (laughs) So utterly weird. Picked up on Mondays and Thursdays. I have no idea what was happening there. But anyway, so let's get into these wedding vows. I mean, I thought it was a little unrealistic that Beth would have waited to write them like 30 seconds before going down the aisle. I... To me, they are changing Beth's character like way too much. I mean, she's an urban planner, a planner. If you're a planner, then by design, you have some forethought. Now, maybe she would have wanted to put some tweaks in it or something like that. Okay, but the idea that like she had never even written them to this point, I don't. I just good point. On, she's not like flighty, and she's not a procrastinator or somebody who wouldn't take it seriously. I. I don't know. This this season, uh, this happens more often in science fiction. It's called retcon. Do you know what retcon is? Uh, you're going to tell me. Yep. It's where, you know, you got this established story, right? 
Okay. And, and then you move on with with the story, and you then say, "Oh, by the way, Joey got a fashion degree in Paris." And then then you got to scramble and be like. Uh, we kind of already said that he was in New York for school or something like that. And you had to come up with a way for Joey to have gone to Paris and get a degree in fashion. And so that's called retcon, where you make up that little bit of story that, that makes that future fuck up work. And, okay. And so, what does that stand for? Like retroactive con? I'm not sure, actually. I should know. They if just you call know, it, let they, us know. They just call it retconning. And it happens like in... Star Wars and that kind of stuff. It feels like they're retconning Beth a little bit here. I think a whole hell of a lot. We do, we discussed this before about like like her girls would not be dancers. Like they would not have taken dance class. It's almost maybe it's like they had that flash forward with the two of them at least separated, right? And they needed a way to like, well, how did that that come to be? Well, maybe their marriage wasn't what everybody thought it was. Mm-hmm. And so what what made that happen? Well, she had to give up something that she loved since she was a little girl. And then just remembered two weeks ago and decided to like blow up their life about. It's really funny because it could have been anything. It could have been like horseback riding or like Olympic, you know, pole vaulting or archery or like it, it literally it could have been freaking anything. It just happened to be dance. It's like they just like they threw a you know, maybe that's part of the reason why we never saw shit about her children. Like Tess and Annie, like I don't know their likes and dislikes. I have no freaking idea what activities they do after school or what what do they enjoy at all? I don't know because they haven't fleshed them out at all. So guess what? Maybe they are going to make them lifelong dancers as well. They've been in dance class this whole time. That's why we didn't see them. You know, can I, I'm going to make one more point about that because it just is like, are you kidding me? Do you remember when Deja wanted to join the dance squad? The drill team. Instead, she goes over and she goes with Randall and she, she is at the community center and she is checking out this other dance squad. Yeah. How many times are we going to say the word dance before you over there across microphone say, what a tick. (laughs) Randall handled that entire thing and Beth was a lifelong dancer. Good call, man. Why would they never bring that up during a time when Deja had an entire plot point of wanting to be involved in dance? They didn't know she was a dancer yet. I think they didn't. She may have wanted to be a vet or something else at that point. She was going to, you know, raise her carrier pigeons, and yet she got derailed by Randall. It's all crazy. So in a All fu- right. future episode, Annie's gonna gonna be like, uh, I, I really need to get back into archery, Mom. Yeah. And and then they're gonna be like, Well, that's kind of disruptive. And she's gonna be like, I'm leaving the house because you won't let me get back into archery. <laughs> right? Yes. I loved it when I was seven and um You've ruined this for me. Totally Dad. ruined my life. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so Randall, P.S. on the wedding vows. Now that seems straight up Randall, that he would have written a like marriage. Webster's Dictionary defines marriage as. I really enjoyed that I heard several comments on Twitter where people were like, you know what? It makes a hell of a lot of sense that Randall would write about marriage and forget about Beth. Because that's kind of a lot of the point of this story is like there was the marriage And yet the two individuals that actually make up the marriage were kind of forgotten along the way. Like it was more important to have a marriage than it was to be two individual human beings 
with thoughts and dreams and hopes and whatnot. And awesome that he needed Kevin, someone who may never, ever get married, need to point it out. Because at least the dude knows how to make a woman feel special. You know Ah, what I mean? Yeah. Well, where's the part where you start talking about her? Oh, never in the whole thing? Well, then we can't use any of that. I thought also that they were using Kevin because he had like read scripts and like, you know, had some some concept of what makes a good line, you know? Uh, And so if you were sitting there dwelling on all this shit about definitions, then, you know, the scriptwriter would have slashed that, you know? He knew that instinctually. That very 2000s uh, goatee on Justin Hartley was terrible. Oh, no. The best part was when Kate goes, you got a little something on your lip there. (laughs) I was like, oh, that was really, really funny. But also, did you not rock a goatee? Oh, I rocked it for a very long time. But mine filled in like a grown-ups and his looked like just random hairs on his face. It was adorable. They were young. It's hard to grow it when you're young, right? So what did you think of the outcome of this? That Beth finally has had enough and storms in and says, we got to just like write these together. That is probably another indicator of how their young, less complicated relationship can work, where he gets lost in his gestures and she's like, look, this is how we can fix this. This is how we can how we can do this you know the i'm don't even ask questions i will take you to where you can propose to me and it will feel good yeah i will tell you how we can write the vows together and afterwards we'll be married you know like that kind of thing what do you think about that that's a funny little face you're giving me right now i still see it (laughs) i was hiding my face Well, I just think that the idea that I think that that's a lot of strong women's younger selves M.O. is like, I'm tired of your bullshit. I'm tired of your fucking around over here, squirreling around, acting like you don't know what ring I told you to get. Instead, you get this other ring. Right. But instead, it's like also as an older person now, 20 years later, I say like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to tell you what feels good. I I want you to friggin' figure it out at this point. You know, like enough is enough. And I do get that that's where Beth is like getting to. And I do, I want to talk about this like test as a baby, but I don't want to get into the baby part because it's just one of those times where it allows you that, that staying up super late at night, that like I'm exhausted, you're exhausted. Let's like sit down and have some nachos and like talk a little bit. Right. Uh huh. I think I, I, I enjoyed that they actually used the baby in that whole scenario that felt very fucking realistic. We've had multiple conversations basically waiting for a kid to go to sleep, just trying to wait something out, you know, one or we had three infants, y'all. So we could be holding multiple babies that needed to go to sleep. And if you could imagine what in the space time continuum has to line up for all three to sleep simultaneously, quite a bit. So there was plenty of time when there was at least one. And if if one of us could be so cool as to stay up with the other, that was a kind gesture on our parts. So nachos, Paul, nachos. What does it mean that Beth used this analogy? And do you think it was a good one? Oh, it's excellent because Randall, in his own way, I could see it where in his own mind, he was like, okay, I've created nachos. It's a free market. I'm going in. Whatever happens, happens. Now, I, my mother did teach me to not take all the good pieces for myself 
in, a, in like a party tray type situation. You know what I mean? Okay. Which nachos would be. You take some dogs, basically, <laughs> so that others have a chance to get the sweet, sweet cheese. The sweet, sweet I would have done cheese. a little better than Randall in this scenario, but... Mm, but I would say, how many times have I said, you can eat the rest of my whatever? Now, this would be pre- fantastic body Paul but like a Paul who was just like eating whatever how many times was it more like you can eat the rest of my fill in the blank you can have you can have it it's okay you can eat it I'll, I'll have just like some some extra whatever oh yeah and I took it up every, every time if it was something I wanted and then it was but, gone. It, but vice versa think about the other way how many times did you ever Never. say right right was something I didn't want right <laughs> like I could have the leftover in the sense of like the crappy shit you didn't want right like you really wanted what was your tagline i don't share i don't share that's what he would tell me i'd be like wow that looks delicious and he'd be like well that's too bad because i don't share and i'd be like oh god but on the flip and this is just a girl guy thing i'm not talking paul caroline here i'm just talking this is how beth and randall seem to work it out too is like i would it would never occur to me to say i don't share or to not be like of course you can have the first bite or the biggest bite or the part you like and i'll eat whatever's left listen randall said he's adopted i said i don't share we just came out with what you needed he said to it on know the first date i just want to tell you date. we're literally eating there at a restaurant and i was like wow that looks good whatever it is and he's like oh i don't share and i was like what <laughs> like wow i probably walked the rest of the restaurant i probably just kept going wow i got five stars on the rest of the date it was just that one thing <laughs> that was it was it was a doozy i'll yeah. tell you i appreciated it i think that the whole concept that it sort of mushes into this other conversation as well about beth getting upset because randall just is like oh it'll work out with you going back to work Without him really having the presence of mind to say, well, it will work out because Beth will find the babysitter or Beth will come home early or Beth will, you know, find some adjustment at work to, to be able to work from home or whatever. And Randall just sort of being like, it'll work out knowing he's going to get up the next morning and do exactly what he's always done pre-baby, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think I would say that's one thing that's different about our relationship in that. I, we could have been those people very easily, but just because of the ridiculous absurdity of how many babies we had and, and how extreme the situation was, it was impossible for you to overlook that like I had to give up my job. I had to give up everything that I had just finished going to school for and, and everything in order to now have this completely other life. So Your love of dance. My love of dance. I've never stopped dancing in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> but you know i mean the idea that like i think a lot of families feel this way dads are like yeah it all works out i'm cool i don't worry and then the you know wife's behind i'm like that's because i'm up till four in the morning you know or because i found someone to do carpool or whatever it's what moms do you know i think now i'm sure there's lots of you dads out there who say fuck that my wife is like a complete bag of shit <laughs> i wasn't gonna say that i was gonna say like maybe she happens to be the 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 higher breadwinner of the family or maybe she's more inflexible and you're like the the dad who always just makes it work and there's plenty of those families too it's not we have had to be forced to be that way because my god we both had to 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 dance like our our little hearts out to make every situation work 
But I could see where the majority of time it's really the women who have to say, you know what, I guess... I'll stay home. Go check the memes, everybody, if you disagree. Go check the memes. There's no meme about a dad who stays up with anxiety every night thinking about how the kid's homework is going to get done. Can you find thousands of Kermit memes about moms staying up all hours of the night thinking about... You know, whether or not there's enough dog food in the in the kennel or anything. Yes, you can. So what she says is true. <laughs> I appreciate that. We continue on their little path here. I, I do feel a little bit like we were getting a little beat over the head by this point, uh, because I even feel that way about where we are right now. Uh, in our podcast that I feel like it's like, and one other thing, maybe because this, a lot of this stuff hits close to home. And by this point of the conversation, we both would be like, you know what? I don't want to fight. Let's just like be done. Let's go watch TV because I'm tired of this. We reached that point. When do we reach that point? (laughs) So soon. All right. Listen up. Flash forward to Kevin and William living in the house. Beth being like, I fucking have this conference I got to get to. Uh, I'll spy you guys in a little bit. And then lo and behold, it turns out. Do you you think she needed to lie? I mean, you wouldn't have lied. I don't lie. And I'm currently doing this where I'm like, so here you guys, I'll like let you in on a little daily secret. Like I totally need some alone time and have only figured that out like way later, like where Beth is in her life where I'm like, you know what? I do love being around people and I do love doing stuff. But the reality is like, I need to get away from this family and I need to do other things and interact with other people that don't give a shit about this family. That's the reality. So Here's the thing. I felt like the fact that Randall accepted her not going on her night and was like, "Mm," you know, I know he said, are you sure? But I really felt like he should have said, no, you need this. I like demand you go on your night because he already had it all set up that she was going to be gone anyway. Like, what was the point of this, you know, to drag her back? Well, I think it ties into the modern uh, discussion they're having later, which I think is a little weak sauce, but it's still one of her main points, which is, and you you let me be consumed by you, basically. Well, yeah. So that is an interesting point. Now, what do you think about that? Does the other partner have any responsibility in recognizing their own ability to consume the partner? And do they need to illustrate some self-control and some protectiveness over the other person's need to be autonomous. Dangerous. Cause I don't really study people like this. Like I'm a guy with, I promise you when the podcast is over, we will not discuss this. Okay. This is a, <laughs> Say what you want. I'm a guy that's just good with computers is all, you know, I do like to try to tell stories. So I have to try to understand people, but this is like, The idea that another person has granted some level of agency over themselves to another person and then blames them for for that fact is I don't think that's a great argument. I think I think every person I mean, maybe I'm just talking out of my ass, but it seems like each person should be in charge of themselves. So when someone else says, but you let me do that, I don't know, that's kind of like the same argument that people have well i was drunk i can't blame you can't blame me for my actions when i was drunk you know but well actually yeah i mean you did it so yeah i don't know does it sound i'm gonna have a different point of view um and it's that i feel like i am aware now and 
as somebody who is not like a super young little gal, um, I'm aware, more aware of my effect on people than I really have ever been my whole life. I have started to feel like I do need to pay attention to my effect on someone else. And so if I know I can overwhelm someone else and I do it knowingly, then if they're upset and sort of come back like, man, I just, I feel like you just sort of like, you know, whatever took over the situation. Now at this point in my life, I do have a part of me that says, you knew you could control that situation and you did and you kind of took advantage of the other person and that, you know, you knew that and that wasn't very cool. And I, and I do feel guilty about that. Now there's definitely times when I was younger, when it was like, flexing a muscle like well I didn't realize it was gonna do that you know cause that effect and but now that I do know those effects I tended I tended to, to try to hold myself from overwhelming somebody else in a situation you know I'll, I'll hold back and be like no you you be the leader this time knowing full well I could argue myself into that position but I don't need to always be that one you know and I I think in our own relationship I think that I do spend a great deal of time looking out for you on your behalf so I'll say like you you should take time to go right today or you should or, or I've made arrangements so that you have free time before you even ask for it or need it or want it even necessarily, I already try to keep you from being overwhelmed by the rest of us because we're an overwhelming group. Like my children are definitely me in terms of uh, being able to swallow up the air in the room if they choose, you know, they certainly can. And they don't care that much about (laughs) not doing it to others. Well, they have reasons why they, uh, they get a pass. Right. But do you, do you understand what I mean? Like, can you see that there's times when I will say to you, you know what? preemptively before you even say I need to take a break I'll say I think you should go take some time to go do this or hey it's getting really late you're going to be exhausted tomorrow so could you see how Beth could say you allowed me to be consumed by you because I could just run you into the ground if I didn't care to keep you intact I don't know I guess I should be saying (laughs) like no I'm doing this and and that and whatever that thing is and and that's that and it's it's an attempt to try to work within a within a larger whole that may um, drive a person to think they're acting in their in the best interest of the larger group and that means kind of giving up this giving up that but um, in the long run you end up feeling like Beth probably Right. I I think it's very tricky. And I think it's just it's a really it's a personality type thing. Um, And I I feel like I can see it in my in in our relationship and in relationships with other people, too. Like I can play the part in a friendship where I can be very overwhelming and be absolutely the alpha. But I can also play in a friendship where I'm 100 percent the beta. Like I'll say, like, you do your thing and I'll be like laid back and just let it happen, whatever they're doing. And be fine with it most of the time, you know? And I think that that's that's my own personality trait. I think Randall is the type of guy, though, where he he can kind of, I mean, he's so type A. He's so, like, head up his ass a lot that the idea that he was supposed to be able to put on the brakes, like our trainer says, you know, exercise right up until the point where you're just about to get hurt. But, like, just stop right before you get hurt, right? Yeah. Beth saying you should have known the exact point when I was going to be consumed or it was too far. It was too much. 
That part, I will say, it's unrealistic to tell a person that. You've got you've got to take responsibility, like you said, to say, I know I'm at a nine, and if I get to a 10, I'm going to blow my top, you know, and be able to say, I'm at a nine, and do some self-care there. Good point. But again, maybe but, but maybe we've had these really insane situations in our lives where like we had to do that or else we literally would lose our minds. So maybe we have a little more self-awareness than the average Joe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Let's get into present day. Yeah, they don't show much of present day just at the beginning at the end. And it's mm, pretty nasty shit. Oh, man. did you, I mean, I think we all knew the moment that like it, like the shit smeared so far all over the fan. Well, Randall thought that he was going to come in with his big 20 years too late comment. And that was going to be Which like. Which seemed like a zinger, no? Well, it was a painful zinger, but it had, it didn't have much behind it. You know what I mean? Right. Because we can assume she was dancing all the time in her heart. But her comment about the anxiety attacks was decidedly below the belt. He, he Him leaving, he was totally justified in just taken off at that point oh i i think that there was like nothing good was gonna happen at that point you know i mean i i think about this and in in our case you know we have we had a joint situation of of having the children be our sort of like collective anxiety attack you know so if either of us say like well why didn't you go have a party when you were 28 if you need a party now it's like how dare you? You know, you know exactly why, because we were tied to, you know, oxygen masks and whatnot, you know? So it's like, it's very easy to look to, for us not to feel necessarily personal about that part, you know? Yeah. Cause it's like a joint thing, but man, can you imagine the imbalance of being the one that really needed to be cared for and the other person cared for you? And then now have that be thrown back? Well, sure. I mean, I've personally been in the situation where I've needed to be not exactly cared for, but I was hospitalized for one reason or another. So vulnerable, I would say. And but that's never come up <laughs> as as like a point of, of like a, a weakness on my part in either providing or being a, a good partner or anything like that. That was just, I, I don't know, unless you're just faking it, you've always seemed to present it as like, well, you know, you've had a a moment where you needed help. I'll need a moment where I need help later. That's just the way it's going to work. And but she turned it around in a very nasty fashion. Um, she was retaliating from the twenty years too too late comment. But it's beneath Beth to 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 use this kind of tactic. I agree, and I think that it's. I mean, it's 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 the button. You know, I mean, there's one the button. <laughs> And that's the button, you know, for him. That is just like, I, I mean, you are right. You have been hospitalized. You, you have had various illnesses and, and, and things that have happened. I think that one of the trickiness about this that, you know, this might be one of the actually most subtle layers that was put in. This is a mental health versus physical health. Would she have said the same thing if it was cancer or if it was diabetes or if it was, you know what I'm saying? She if, might have. If it had been a physical ailment, could that, would that have been as a big of a blow? Or is it that we handle mental health with such shame and such embarrassment that if you say I was hospitalized because of my mental health, well, that's too far. You're never going to say that. And so if we say it's cancer, 
then you're like a hero, right? If you had an anxiety attack, well, that's a weakness on your yeah, part. You can't handle your shit. Right. And so it's, I think that that is, you could look at that as on the big whiteboard. Let's talk about the difference between mental health and physical health and how that's thrown back into your face. I think that for me, either would be unacceptable. Like I would not, I would not be okay with you saying, uh, you know, well, because you had that gallbladder having to come out or whatever, that's a true thing for me. It would be this, it would be equal to me if you said, and you had that bout of depression. And I'd be like both for, but I can be honest with you. I would feel more ashamed about the depression. I, my gallbladder, you could be like, well, what am I going to do? My gallbladder had a problem. Even though it's like same with depression, like what are you gonna do? My my you know my chemicals or my brain or my my mental health was was struggling right then, but doesn't it feel like it's worse to have said it about a mental health issue than a physical health issue? Because of the the extra shame stigma, yeah. I mean, it would just kind of be shitty if it was like cancer. You're right. It would just be like you're a piece of shit. I had cancer. Right. And there'd be, you know? and you wouldn't even feel, you wouldn't feel that same level of like when we all watched his face fall and him absorb that blow. We, we wouldn't have had that moment, you know, if she was like, yeah, and your leukemia really took up my time. Like we all would have been like, you're an asshole, you know, Beth, right. but like somehow because it was anxiety or depression or mental health, then it's like the it's like the all the air was sucked out of the room, right? Like no one even knew what to say. Everyone was like, "Show oh my god!" Well, everybody buys the idea of cancer. You know, you can see it. There's yes. tumors. People yes. die all the time. But right. mental health, I think people have have a varying level of how much they buy it and at what level and of which uh, particular ailments. Where like schizophrenia or something like that. You see someone talking to nobody. Yeah, that's that's easy to buy. Depression or anxiety, those are more like, come on, just bear up, dude. You right. know, man up. And it's and it's harder to sell necessarily. Yes. So, yes. So him just saying I had it, she has to fully buy into it, or or maybe she doesn't. I wonder. I wonder if that was a little bit of a little bit of a nod to you know how much does Beth think he was just you know, thinking out of responsibilities or, you know, pushing more on her. I don't know. For for my own self, my own life experiences, I fully and firmly believe that mental health is as, as crippling and as, as much of a challenge as any physical disability you could give anybody. We have children that have neurological disabilities as well as physical disabilities, and they manifest themselves in both ways you can see and ways you cannot see unless you know the child and you know that they're really struggling right now and they're not purposely trying to be socially inappropriate or whatever that that is the, that was a such a small sentence but like look how much we just talked about it and how much it's like what a blow that is to a marriage i think that that idea of that betrayal in that little question mark that you just said does beth even really believe that he has this crippling situation mm-hmm. or maybe she doesn't buy in. And that, that leaves this other layer of like, wow, you know, do you really think that he would lie about, you know, feeling this way and that he could just fix it all, but he just chooses not to, you know, it all seems crazy. So it basically ends with her being like, no more speeches, no more, nothing. Him being like, that was the lowest blow you could ever fucking blown ever. They have that call back to their first date where, you know, they're both laying on, Beds having very different 
thoughts about how this evening went and what's going to happen next. Very much so. Very much so. He's all out of speeches. So that was that whole episode. What did you think about it as a whole? Did you like it as a whole? Didn't like it? Did you feel like it spoke to you personally? Parts of it seemed seemed very familiar. Their relationship is starting to look like fractured, like not and not like the parts are very close anymore. You know, like Mm -hmm. like they're still within sight of each other, but they're heading in different directions in like a very unstoppable kind of way. He has a lot to do with that, obviously. He he set them on this kind of crazy path that every action he took that was t- that they televised, you know, with the with the William and the Deja and the council seat, that was that all ranted all up so that he was running 17 ways um and none of them were really toward Beth or with Beth or in step with Beth or however you want to say it so that you get my right meaning. <laughs> no, I completely get you 100%. And and I agree with you. I think that that an important part of any relationship is is when right before you get to that point of that huge fracture, you ha- you do have to decide whether you're willing to like sell the other one out completely or whether you're willing to protect each other and remain that level of friend as well. And I think that that's something that you and I do well in that we can pull back and say, you know what, we may need to adjust how we do things, but we're the only two in this marriage and we get to decide how things run. So we are going to adjust things and we are going to do things differently, but we don't have to tear each other apart in the process of that. And I think that's a huge difference than most people feel like if I can't get along with you anymore, then I need to burn you to the ground. And I think that that's something with our own kids that we've just decided we need two intact human beings no matter what happens between the two of us lifetime. And so there ain't no burning each other to the ground. There's never going to be that anxiety attack argument you know like that's not a thing can't afford to do that to each other no it'd be shooting yourself in the own foot if you do that because then what you got this game leg stupid and the game leg might turn around and shoot you exactly (laughs) nobody wants that that's terrible so I do want to talk about this season as a whole and where we've landed these Pearson kids because we definitely have this finale coming here in just like 10 seconds. I wanted to talk a little bit with you about this idea of this like cyclical patterns of behavior in life that I feel like I picked up on and I feel like I have a good thought here and I need you to tell me if you think so. So over the last three seasons, we've had Jack and Rebecca have all these these challenges, these arguments. Um, you know, Jack really pushed Rebecca to have kids and who was very reluctant. In that, we see the same exact challenge with Kevin and Zoe and Kevin playing the part of Jack pushing Rebecca. We have, you know, the hospital situation with Kate and Toby right now. It reminded me completely of the story they've already told us of Jack and Rebecca, where Jack was so ready to care for these babies, just like Kate. Rebecca was really overwhelmed and hesitant and took a lot longer to come around and ended up having to talk to other people to sort of be mentored along. And that's very Toby to me. We have the other career and dreams theme right now where Jack was not supportive at all of this dream seeking that Rebecca wanted to do, even though he like appeared to be very supportive of Rebecca and her talents the whole time. Not unlike we have Randall playing the part of Jack and Beth playing the part of Rebecca where like she had these talents, but like the husbands like really don't actually want to allow them to pursue this dream. So what do you think about this commentary of like 
they've basically laid out for three seasons. Jack and Rebecca had all these same challenges and now they've sort of divvied it up and given each Pearson child the same response as Jack had throughout all these seasons. I think it's an interesting observation because as I look online and I see people bitch and moan about too much Randall, too much Kate, whatever, I think they're highly overlooking what you just mentioned, which is this very deliberate attempt to create a, a structure that makes the the title of the show, This Is Us, really like super meaningful. Parents imprint on their kids for better or for worse. It just creates, like you just mentioned, a cyclical way of dealing with people. And we're just focusing on Pearsons right now, but we know we we got to see Jack's dad and just a smidgen of Jack's grandfather and how, to some extent, the way that they dealt with people, not entirely, but just elements of it trickled down and eventually wound up with pieces being divvied out to the Pearson big three of how they deal with people. You know, some mm-hmm. to some extent, the way that grandfather showed up at the delivery room and was like, well, whatever, I'm just going to go home. Michael Ironside, right? Yeah. I don't know exactly how, but he's in them the way that he he would he would deal with that. And so that is why I, a person who almost exclusively watches either thrillers or science fiction or something with a dragon, um, (laughs) will continue to watch this because it is, you know, for its flaws that we point out in our podcast, it is very freaking well made. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And um, for me, I feel like the whole concept of how humans behave, and this is to me like a study in human behavior, and that we all think we are so freaking unique. The joke of it is how much we are so similar, whether you're black, white, old, young, whatever's going on in your life. You probably have the same challenges, the same arguments. You are probably even using the same phrases because of how technology and entertainment have made our influences the same. Like so many of us will use the exact same catchphrases or the exact same verbiage for something. And it's like a joke because you could probably put a camera in anyone's house and like hear people saying the exact same lines to make a joke to their spouse or, you know, something that they think is going to tear them up because we saw it on a TV show or a movie or we heard it in a song or whatever. And we're also inundated with the same entertainment that we're just barfing it back up like it's crazy. And like you said, People don't change that much from generation to generation. We try to get better. We all look at our parents and be like, I'm never going to grow up and do blah. But here we are 20 years into a marriage and we're like, you know what? I kind of see how they got there. <laughs> you know, I kind of I kind of get it, you know. Yeah. And I bet you a million bucks when we get to the grave, we look back and say, my God, it was not so dissimilar from everyone else's. You know, it's kind of wild. It's interesting. It certainly is. This is us. And uh, I think that the finale next week, I do want to ask your predictions on this. We did see a little sneak peek. I have to say, you guys, it's disheartening with the sneak peek I saw because I would have said, I think Randall and Beth maybe could come around here and maybe could think of something to try to find some solid ground. Definitely having to come back at it like we're starting fresh, you know, like we're going to have to start new rules, new ideas, new thoughts. But that's not what we saw in that sneak peek. She has, I think, become immune to the big speech. That is a Pearson, you know, that's like that's like your designated hitter on the Pearson 
baseball team of oratory, right? And yes. dealing with emotions. And if and if he's out, then you gotta go <laughs> you're 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 down, you're you're your most impactful player. So and she's just immune to it now, I think. If he tried it, she'd be like, That's not gonna work, clearly. Yeah. So Ooh, it That's like hurts tough. my belly because I don't want to see them bust up. I it's disappointing that it seems like they couldn't come to a place where they need to just talk this out and figure out again, like I said, start back from scratch and say, okay, you know, we had rules, we had ideas, life happened, now what? And be able to regroup, essentially, you know? That's like what that word's all all like exists for is the idea that things went to shit. Now you got to regroup. We got lost in the woods. Yeah. Let's regroup. regroup right. And it, so it's painful to think that they couldn't regroup. I, I feel I find that, I don't know, sort of disingenuous. But then maybe I think, you know, I, life's awfully short. And if you feel like you're spending all your time regrouping and trying to make something work, at what point do you say that's quite enough? You know, I think this could be better in a completely different way. And uh, I, I can see how these people are getting to that point, you know, across mm-hmm. the board, across the whole board. And who knows where Jack and Rebecca would have landed had they had the life, you know, like they it ended so early for them in terms of like not getting to these challenges that who knows if they would have made it long haul. Who knows? It never got to play out. Right. Because Jack was the consuming personality. Mm-hmm. there, Whereas... Miguel, he's very consumable, <laughs> right? Basically, yeah. And she, and but the, Rebecca's not really interested in consuming anybody, so that kind of just works out. You, know? you think that, but here's the thing: they talked about we're going to move out to California. Hey, Miguel, uh, chomp, chomp, chomp. You feel yourself getting consumed? Like you know why they're sitting in every Pearson you know event because chomp, chomp, chomp. You know, Rebecca's going to consume your ass. And like, Uh, that's just the way it is. That's just the family, though. To some extent, some people want to be consumed. They don't even know it. Tell me this. His his kids wrote him off. They're all dicks, you know? Yeah, he doesn't even. He just, Thanksgiving's good enough for them. And so, I mean, if there's somebody that could use your help, I mean, you could probably really go a long way justifying in your mind. I don't move across country. Sure. I mean, if someone actually wants me there yes intrigue so there are people out there who want to be consumed maybe again That's i'm a, a computer guy uh, no no but it's a fascinating concept because you're right some people just want to roll into a pre pre-existing situation right they they want the other person to some of call them the shots right or, want or do to whatever. abuse you Oh my God. Some of them want to be abused. Oh my God. Caroline. All right. That was probably too far. You could have used a different line from that song in particular. But yeah, I get I get what you're saying. I see what you're saying. And I and I think you're right that there probably are some personalities that possibly could fall into that category. I don't know. All right. So are you ready for this to be the finale? Or does it seem like way too freaking early? Or like did we get so disjointed by the the lack of momentum this season? Yeah, this there's, I'm done. I'm ready for this season to be done. Game of Thrones coming back oh, soon. Oh, GOT. So, yeah, I'm ready for this to be done. I want to see whatever it is in that future scene that we've been kind of let languishing until yeah. from the last update like weeks ago. Right. So I need to see that. I need to see whatever cliffhanger we got for Beth and Randall's uh, scenario. Since I'm a dad of a preemie, I want to see that preemie 
doing his preemie thing and looking healthy. I don't really need a cliffhanger on that shit. I'm sorry to tell you, I've seen some scenes for next week. And in that regard, um, and I don't mean I've seen like the show, but I've seen like the little clips. It's like a code coding out situation where Kate's like screaming for help. So that's going to be a bit of a, of a Tommy Turner there because they're not going to want to see that at all. Mm. Well, then if they're going to leave them all like that, then I guess Kevin and Zoe are going to be, you know, like in a. They got to be pregnant and there's got to be a question of abortion or no abortion. No. That makes a lot of sense. Or they're in a car hanging off a bridge. Yeah. Oh, God. And what about that bizarro flashback of Rebecca hitting another car, like in a car accident? Well, she was wearing that floppy hat. So that's like a definite flashback. Oh, no. Yeah. No, for sure. She's obviously young and she's driving the Wagoneer. But what the frig? What the frig? What is this? Where is that going to lead us? Why are we getting in an accident? I don't even understand what the point is. We know she lives to be an old lady. Hold up. Hold up your bones. You know what that means? No. Okay, if she's in a car accident, what happens to her? She goes to the hospital. That means we have a mirroring flashback of her in the hospital, which means her, we know, is Rebecca. That means the present day and or future, however you want to look at it, shot is her in the hospital. It's going to be her remembering the car accident when she was in the hospital before. Mm Mm-hmm. Floppy hat and all. (laughs) <laughs> that's the sitch daily that's the sitch and that, so you know who we're going to compare to jack coming running to the hospital and miguel running to the hospital what rebecca does to each of the where this is gonna be what it looks like look i'm like a swami we'll find out i'm wearing a floppy hat less than 24 hours yeah we're gonna get this out to you guys thanks so much for listening and shout out to carol sullivan for writing in to the podcast yes thanks so much carol we so appreciate all of you guys who listen and anytime you guys want to give us feedback we are so open we are over on daily review on twitter and facebook and dot com land see you next week thanks bye catch us on itunes or your preferred podcast software our website dailyreview.com that's d-a-l-e-y review.com facebook or twitter or wherever you find us please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show thanks for listening pot people thanks for listening to my mom and dad you don't have to go home but you can't stay here just go home folks